Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved. Cast out demons and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of men's souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, I can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. Brother John, would you like to open us up in prayer? Yeah, you got a sore throat? Uh, sinus infection again, and uh, throat's okay, but um, I'll tell you what, it's just these um, crazy fluxes and humidity. I was looking at my um, hydrometer a minute ago, 71%, it's up to 79%. You know, it gets uh, to 100, you, it's going to rain in the room, so I don't know what the answer is, but... Um, we just keep battling this every six weeks to two months. And uh, my brother's here visiting. He got sick, too. We had to put him on antibiotics. So uh, just keep us in prayer. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> my Holy Father, I just want to begin to pray here for Shannon, Father God. And Lord, you have created us to be able to handle humidity, heat, cold. And Father God, that's how you made our bodies. And in the name of Jesus, I rebuke right now every demonic force that is trying to take down Shannon. I command the lungs right now to be cleared in the name of Jesus. His sinus is cleared in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father God, for your Holy Ghost coming down upon him right now. From the top of his head to the soles of his feet, Lord. And just healing him. And let that fire, that Holy Ghost fire, just burn through his body and burn out every German virus, Father God, whatever is there. In Jesus' name. Father God, I thank you right now for helping with this program today. And I just ask you right now that you will be an anointing upon us, Lord. And I just want to praise you and bless you for that now. In Jesus' name. Amen. I say amen to that. Thank you for that prayer, my friend. So, <clears throat> this is a uh, last 
message I have here on uh, lesson 48 of my book, Christian Dynamics, Guidance for a Christian. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to wrap this up here today. And um, so we're going to come into uh, the restorative will of God. Let me just repeat this here where I was from last week. God turned all things into victory for himself at Calvary. The devil could only physically hurt or kill the people that God allows him to afflict. God's permissive will is a final attempt to return a wayward child back to him and the original plan. But if these believers in Christ, and we're only talking about believers in Christ in this lesson, only Christians, refuse to repent and turn back to God, the Lord will then allow them to physically die so that their spirit may go to heaven. This is the road that Samson and many others took throughout history, like the prophet Jonah. It is the most painful path a human being can choose. So if you are in God's permissive will, nothing is really working out for you. And this is the last resort that God has to turn you around. It is said that the only thing that we respond to is pain. When God talks to us, yeah, we say, okay, Lord, I, I hear you, but I'm not going to do this or that. We are like children that are rebellious. And uh, so the only option God has, just like the option of parents, is to bring out the switch, the belt, whatever it is, and inflict so much pain on the rear end of a child that the child says, this stuff I'm doing, this rebellious stuff I'm doing, is not worth the pain my rear end is feeling right now. So it is not that I don't like to leave my rebellion, but I'm going to leave it to get relief from the pain. And that is how a lot of people think. And God really can't bless you if you just say, okay, God, I'll do it. Just take the pain off me and I'll do it. But you're, you're not repentive. You don't, you don't love God. You're simply doing it because you want to get out of pain. Then God says, okay, we are done. We are done. I'm simply going to take you out of the game. And if you are a believer in Christ, he's going to take you home. You're going to have to drop your body and leave for heaven. And there you're in for the judgment seat of Christ. But at least you're not going to hell and you're not going to the lake of fire. You really don't want to be in that situation. 
this is not a good situation. So now let me tell you how to do it. Our hope is in Christ. The man mentioned in the fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians that we talked about probably about three or four weeks ago that um, what having sex with his father's wife he repented and um, when we read this here I'm going to read this to you here from 2 Corinthians um, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 1 and 11 so let me just read that Paul said this, but I was determined, but I determined this with myself, that I will not come again to you in heaviness. For if I made you sorry, who is then that make me glad? But the same which is made sorry by me. And I wrote the same unto you, lest when I came I should have sorrow from them whom I ought to rejoice having confidence in you all, that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know that love, which I have more abundant unto you. But if any have caused grief, he has not grieved me, but in part that I may have not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is a punishment which was inflicted of many. So that contrast you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him. For to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if you forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Lest Satan should take an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The story we read here in 1 Corinthians took place about 1,930 years, plus or minus. The physical bodies of this man that had sex with his father's wife is long gone. I mean, it has none of the people that were in the church in Corinth. They, they are in heaven, their bodies had long ago just decayed and went back into dust, uh, the water into the earth, and the physical bodies just simply, even the bones, are gone. So, it's a story about a long time ago. But, 1,930 years ago, they were all alive on this earth. It was very important to Paul that when he had heard that this man had repented, he had stopped having sex with his father's wife, 
and he had repented and asked God for forgiveness. It was important to Paul that the people restored his man, that they surround him with love, and that the simple said, we are happy that you repented. Uh, we're sorry that you messed up like you did, but you have repented now. We are not going to think about the fornication, the adultery, the incest. We're not going to think about that anymore. It's under the blood. We're starting a new chapter. And that brings us into the restorative will of God. Most of us, I would say 99% of us, including myself, I live in the restorative will of God. I am not living in God's perfect will. I blew that many, many years ago. But praise God, I repented. I got into his restorative will. And it is it's the same thing to be in a restorative will of God as it is to be in his perfect will and you never messed up. I would say there's a person that has been able to stay in the will of God and do what he's supposed to do. He's blessed. He's very blessed. But I don't think that he has the same gratitude in life that a person has crashed and then been picked up, restored, and put back in the will of God. We that have come back, we have much to be thankful for. That God, in his mercy, picked us up, dusted us off, healed our souls, took out all the soul damage, and simply said, now, walk now with me circumspectly and don't mess up again. A Christian living in the restorative will of God is a person who has recognized his sins and repented. He has accepted the fact that he might not be able to fulfill everything that God originally had for him. Nevertheless, he's content and willing to obey God and allow the Lord to bring out the best possible of the years left on earth. Going back in my own personal life, I was given the gospel at the age of three by a Pentecostal pastor. And um, I made a decision that I was going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Age of four, I recommitted my life. 
I was understanding enough to I knew what I was doing. At the age of five, God spoke to me and called me to go to America. But I had an arrested development spirit. I had a severe arrested development spirit. And uh, I was not able to really do what I should have done. So God simply had to intervene over and over again with schools. So I would be able to go from one grade to the next grade and and to uh, finally where I was able to graduate from high school and finally graduate from an engineering college with a um, degree, <clears throat> bachelor's degree. And, uh, but it was a struggle. So what I'm trying to tell you here is this. It was not necessarily that I wanted to sin. But the demons were very powerful in my life because I felt like two persons. There were times I really wanted to do what God wanted me to do, and I really tried that. And then I was overpowered, and I went into fornication, smoking. I did a long time. And uh, drinking alcohol, we didn't have any drugs, so praise God for that. Back in the 50s, there were no drugs when I lived in Sweden. So, God had to simply guide me through this demon-infested life that I was living through. And... Um, does that mean that I was not responsible? Uh, I was responsible for my acts. But there were times when I did things that simply was crazy. And it was like somebody had taken over me. How, how did I make it? I contribute this to one of my aunts said for 25 years, prayed for me on a daily basis that God would get a hold of my life. And eventually God did get a hold of my life. And I re back in 1965, I, I rededicated my life to Christ. I was baptized in water, had not been there before. And I joined the Southern Baptist Church in Salt Lake City. And uh, I was not strong enough to overpower the demons. But the demons were still there, and they were resisting me. And it was not until many years later when I got the last demon out, because I didn't have the option to go someplace where I would spend a week with you and get all the demons out in one week. It took me 25 years or so to get the last demon out. But I remember one time, which is back in uh, 1971, 
And uh, my wife and I and another married couple from the seminary were at seminary at that time. Um, we were in Sweden for meetings for we were there during the summer and have revival meetings in different churches. And uh, so now I was able to preach. I was able to pray for people. And uh, despite I still had the arrested development spirit, I was still able to function. I was like a dry alcoholic. And uh, it's a terrible uh, place to be. But I didn't have anyone to go to. So I went to the Lord, but God gives his people when he comes to deliverance. There are times he can deliver you from demons, but that's rare. God, that's the verse that Jesus had up his apostles and the others. So he had a church to work through. But I remember this time we were on the island of Gotland in the Baltic Sea. And um, we're going to go to a uh, big, big meeting. It was a, a Baptist um, state convention in Sweden. And uh, just about all the Baptist pastors were there. And there was a fairly large conference. They had scheduled me to speak. Now, on the way to the conference... We were riding in the car. The local pastor was taking us to uh, the, the place where the convention was held. My wife and the couple were sitting in the back seat. And I heard the wife of the, of the other man rip into my wife and, and tell her that, you know, you, uh, you, you're, you're a false prophet. What you prophesy is not right and that and that. And I could hear my wife beginning to softly to cry. Sitting in the front seat now, I heard that. Uh, since this behind this other pass in the car, it was not a whole lot I could say. And I was filled with rage. I was filled with rage. To the point I could not even think. And I simply, in that, it's almost like I was super drunk. I made a decision. I'm not speaking tonight. So we got to the meeting. It's up on the platform. Had the music, preliminaries. And then they asked, simply said, we got this evangelist from... California is going to give us a message tonight. He's a speaker for tonight. And I got up. I spoke for two minutes. And then I sat down. What that did to me was it changed my projector. I believe at that time that God had earmarked me to be an evangelist on national scale. I was on the national scale in Sweden, but also in the United States and in the world. I could have said, Jesus, 
help me. I'm so angry, Jesus, help me. But I didn't do that. So, it cost me. And it put me deeper into God's restorative will. Well, after that, I traveled a few more years in Sweden, had large meetings, and uh, been pastoring here in the United States. But for some reason, I have never been able to break it through, break through on a larger scale. I've been on the radio for 25 years, two, three stations, but just peanuts, uh, if you think about some of the other people that are doing great things. And uh, right now, we got a small church here in Sacramento. Uh, we got a webcast, and uh, been doing deliverances on people and so on, and do Mega Man Radio. But what I'm trying to tell you, sis, that moment in the car changed the direction of my life. I did not understand it, but I sure found out. And there's some of you that simply are right now where God wants you to be. You're back in God's restorative will. And uh, he's trying to use you for this or this or that. The enemy is watching you. He's looking at every weakness you have. He never attacks us when we are strong. He goes to our weakest point. And he's trying to simply hit you so hard that you will get so hopping angry that you will blow your stack and that you would take it out on God. That's what I did. I took it out on God when I refused to speak. I mean, people that were in a shock, there was about 15,000 people there. And probably 30% of them were ministers. And they realized I was just a, a brat, an American brat. And I never got any respect back from that. So, treasure where you are. If you're in God's restorative will now, thank him that he didn't park you or that he did not take you off the planet and took you home. Thank God for what you have. Thank God and simply say, Lord, I might not be where I should have been. And uh, I'm just a small potato here. But Lord, let me be the best small potato on this planet. Let me be the best there is. And this will be your joy. And it also means that God can begin to shift you around.
Let me read this to you now. A Christian living in a restorative will of God is a person who has recognized his sins and repented. He has accepted the fact that he might not be able to fulfill everything that God had originally for him. Nevertheless, he's content and willing to obey God and allow the Lord to bring out the best possible in the years left on earth. Believers moving into the restored will of God will find that diseases are leaving them, financial problems are being straightened out, split homes are healed, and the peace of God is coming over them. Jesus Christ is able to do all these things for us because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm going to read now Hebrews 12.2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. Here's what God is looking for. He's looking for you to pause your life and simply take a break, so to say, from what you're doing and to begin to reflect upon who you are, where you're at, and what you think God is leading you to do. Confess to Jesus, you are my author and finisher of my faith. I don't know how many years I got left. And then you simply say to God this, whatever time I got left on this earth, make them productive. Make them count. God restores sinners. There are people on death row that have committed heinous crimes. Somehow they have accepted Christ and they have been forgiven just like the thief on the cross was forgiven. He never had a chance to do any work for Jesus. He would not even had a chance to get baptized in water. He only lived about three hours after Jesus told him that you could be with me in paradise. And then he was dead. So, we don't know how, how long we got left. But every morning when you get up and you open your eyes and you realize, I'm alive on earth, start praising God and say, Thank you, Lord, that I woke up. 
Thank the Lord for giving me another day. One heartbeat at a time. And help me today now to seek out your will to do what you have called me to do. There are circumstances, let's say, for example, if you are a a housewife or you're a mother and you cannot simply say, well, God, what do you want me to do? And God is going to tell you this, look, first of all, you got children. I wanted to raise them up. But God, I want to evangelize. That can come later. But right now, your job is to raise these children up in the name of the Lord. You might be a father and you have children. And you simply say, God, should I be going to Africa? Should I do this? Should I do that? And God is simply saying this to you. Raise your children. That doesn't mean that you cannot be moved. Your whole family can be moved. I mean, God's not limited. You, if you've got 12 children, uh, God has the finances in heaven. That he, if he wants to move you from uh, the East Coast or the West Coast to some other place, that's not a big deal. God can do that. And there are times God has done that. But the main thing is that you have a basic calling when you have children. That basic calling is that you're in charge of them and you have to raise them up as godly, to be godly men and women. That's your basic thing. On top of that, God can have you do other things. But you can't drop your basic things. You have to do that. Otherwise, God is not in, making a confusion where he simply says, okay, uh, here's a father of uh, nine children, and uh, I'm going to make him a missionary uh, to Africa, and I'm going to have him abandon his family and go to Africa. God doesn't work like that. Whatever basic thing you have, once the children are grown, that's a different ball game. Now, God can begin to use you in different ways because you have finished your basic assignment that God gave. The Bible repeatedly tells us that God knew us before we were conceived and that he has a plan for us. Let me read to you now from... uh, Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 5 and 10 Before I formed you in the belly I knew you and before you came forth out of the womb I sanctify you and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations Then said I Our Lord God Behold I cannot speak for I am a child But the Lord said to me Say not I am a child for you shall go to all that I shall send you, and whatsoever I command you, you shall speak. 
Be not afraid of our faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. Now, he told Jeremiah this. He said this. The Lord, this is what he said to, uh, this is what um, we have in Isaiah 49.1. This is the prophet Isaiah 49.1. Listen while to me and hearken your people from far. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother, as he made mention of my name. And as Jeremiah said, before I formed you in the belly, God spoke this to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you, and before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. And then Paul says this in Galatians 1.15, But when he pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and call me by his grace. It's a few things I want to settle down here now with you. The first thing is this. No child is a coincidence. Even if a child was conceived in rape, God simply had plans for that child. He knew that that child was going to be conceived of a rape, but he, that doesn't mean that God says, okay, i got to punish that child. That child has a calling. Uh, you take someone like James Robertson. Uh, he was a famous evangelist. Uh, people living now in the 2023 probably don't even know who he is. But he was a very powerful evangelist that led, I would say, hundreds of thousands of people to Christ in the 1970s up to the year 2000. His mother was an alcoholic and a drunk. She was 40 years old. And I don't know if she was raped, or, but she was not married, and she had sex, and she conceived. And she had a bastard child by the name of James. And... The question that she had was this, that she was advised, you know, that you're 40 years old, you're an alcoholic, you're too old, you know, just kill the baby. And for some reason, she did not. She met the couple, this is the pastor and his wife, and they told her this, uh, carry the child, I think she lived with him, and when he's born, we will adopt him, we will take care of him. And that mother did not know that he was going to be a famous evangelist leading hundreds of thousands of people to Christ when he was, was an adult. But God had a plan for him. God knew that. So that's the same thing for each one of us. And God knows that we might be born to dysfunctional families. We might have all kind of different bad situations. 
but he will work in your life and eventually he will bring you to the place where he originally wanted you to be. God is sovereign. He is simply want to do exactly what he wants to do and he can do it. The only thing that can derail him is if you say, no, I will not do it. He might increase pain on you. But usually, listen closely now, usually when God calls a person and the person says no, he won't call you again. He simply said, okay, do your own thing, live your own life, I'll see you later. There are times when God simply let you go and in mercy he calls you a second time, maybe even a third time. And if you say yes, you're in God's restorative will. Let's talk about the Apostle Paul right now. In the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 1 and 4, we read this, And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was in Jerusalem. They were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc or destruction on the church entering into every house, holding men and women committed to prison. Therefore they were scattered abroad with everywhere preaching the word. Here's Saul of Tarsus, a Pharisee, very dedicated Jewish Pharisee, hanging on to Judaism, rejecting Christ. Not only was he rejecting Christ, he was working against the church. He had authority to go break into homes, arrest people, drag them. He had people working with him. He had the police force with him. And they would drag them to prison. Some of them they would kill. And um, so this man now, he was enemy number one in Jerusalem to the Christians. Now we read from Acts 9, 1 through 6. And Saul was yet breeding out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. Went unto the high priest and desired him led to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of this way, he found any Christians, but they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came to the, near Damascus, and suddenly shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, 
what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise, go out to the city, and there it shall be told you what you must do. Saul was faced with the choice of dying or repenting. He had been blinded, and he decided to repent. He still was blind. From that moment, Saul was dead. And the new creation called Paul, the apostles, was born. A radical account. In Romans 8, 29 through 30, Paul writes this. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. I want you to think now, this, this took place... 1,900 some odd years ago, long time ago. But if you read in the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down, the church was growing, the apostles were having a good time, and so on. Here comes this guy dancing in, Saul of Tarsus, a Pharisee of the Pharisee, proud. And self-confident to say, you know, I'm a Pharisee. I fast. I tithe. I do this. I do that. I'm a nice person. And then he decided to serve God by killing Christians. Now, if you and I would have been in charge, (laughs) that would have been the last person we would have called on to become an apostle. We would have said, that guy is a disaster. Lord, kill him. But God said, that disaster, I am going to hit him so hard. I'm going to take away his sight. And I'm going to tell him, Saul, you have persecuted the wrong person. I am Jesus. And Saul sobered up very quickly. He had to sit for three days in Damascus, blind. Didn't eat, he was fasting. He must have been shook to the core. And then Ananias came in, laid hands on him, got his sight back, got baptized in water. And then Paul, he now was known as Paul, started to preached the gospel first he was against the gospel he was a persecutor and he became the greatest of all the apostles he wrote the letter to the Romans that about 1400 years later was used to convert Martin Luther a monk in Germany who was born again and started the Reformation and revived Christianity again.
incredible odds. But yet, with God, all things are possible. So, as we wrap this teaching up, now you're in God's restorative will. Unless you simply are in God's perfect will, then you stay right there in that will and don't mess up. Do what he wants you to do. So I'm going to read now again Romans 8, 29, 30. For whom he did foreknew, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. How was I born? My mother was not married. She was a teenage girl, 19 years old. My dad was about 24. And being older, he seduced my mother. They had sex outside. They didn't, neither one had, had homes. They lived with their parents. So they were out in the bushes. And that's how I was conceived, a bastard child. And God simply says, well, you might have been born a bastard child, but I'm going to use you. I'm going to call you. So let me ask you this. Where do you stand in relation to the will of God? Where do you fit in? Are you willing to move with God so that you can go into God's restorative will? Most believers in Christ as well as in church are seeking God's blessing, but not the will of God. Let me repeat that. Most believers in Christ as well as churches are seeking God's blessings, but not the will of God. They like to make their own decisions and ask God to bless the mess. They like to make their own decision and then ask God to bless the mess. People in churches operating the man are living in God's circumstantial will. They are walking in pain and sorrow. Are you willing to search your heart and ask the Lord if you're in his perfect will? If not, are you ready to confess your mistakes to God and the people you have wronged? Are you willing to accept the will of God in your life regardless of the circumstances you might bring? If so, you are the road to recovery. You might look toward the happiest years of your life as you enter into the peace of God. Here's what I'm going to offer you. We have a church here in the greater Sacramento area, which is in California, USA. Some of you might be living in different states, whatever it is, might make no difference. But if you go to our website, which is eaec.org, eaec.org, stand for European American Evangelist Society, eaec.org. Go to our website. There's a contact page. You can call us or you can write and simply say, I heard... 
Pastor John speak today on Omega Man Radio. He talked about to restore the will of God. I need help. You might need deliverance. You might be an alcoholic. You might be a drug addict. You might have mental problems. You might be divorced. Who knows what you got because there's so much out there. I'm offering you. Call us. Write us. Go to our website. We will contact you back. We will talk with you. Pray with you. Assess your situation. And I will personally talk to you. And then I will recommend. I will simply say. Here is what I recommend you. Here's a way to get out of the mess you are in. I will give you a recommendation. Not only that. But we will offer you. To have deliverance. At our ministry here. We will offer to. We have courses. Bible courses we can do. We have Skype. We can do them. Email. Them different things we can do it. But I want you to know this. You might be in a place and you don't know church is there you, and you have been listening and following me and you says, you know, I really need help. We will give it to you. This is God speaking to you through me saying, we are available. We have been through the ringers. We have come out of disaster. We know how to walk in victory. We can help you. So it is totally up to you. All you need to do, you got to contact. But if you don't contact us, I don't even know that you exist. I cannot help you. So I've done my best teaching, sharing, and encouraging you to take a step forward. You might not even be saved listening. And we can lead to Christ very easy. So again, if uh, let me just say this to you. Uh, our website is eaec.org. Um, every Sunday morning we have a live webcast. We start at 8.30 uh, in the morning a.m. here in California, Pacific Standard Time. We have 30 minutes of music, 30 minutes of prayer, and then I bring a message from the Word of God every Sunday. And where do you find the webcast? On our website. It says live webcast. Just go there and click on it. If you want to find out what I did last week, last Sunday, you can go there now and you can hear and see what I did last week. Sunday morning, we ride it over, and then we put another one. I have 650-plus videos up on YouTube, Vimeo. They're also on our website. These are sermons go back to 2008 videos. You can go there. I preached on many different subjects. And you can listen to them and learn. 
There's a written outline with every sermon that you can download at home, or you can actually see my notes, uh, my scriptures, and everything else. It's these are very well written out outlines, so that you really, even if you can read it and get the message. Let's talk about money now. You know, it takes money to make things happen in this world. And uh, you heard me pray for Brother Shannon. We started the program today, and he's in Indonesia, three children, wife, and he's trying hard to serve God and to do things. He needs financial help. He's bringing these programs to you. So if you really feel that you are blessed by Omega Man Radio, then go to his website, find the donation button. He got about four or five of them and put some money in. Because remember this, there is no free lunch. Somebody paid to have this program go out today. We need someone not to pay for the program now tomorrow or the next week or the next week. So please, if you like Omega Man Radio, you like what you hear here, go to Shannon Davis' website, put some money in, and keep him coming. In the meantime, God bless you. I hope to hear from some of you. Back to you, Shannon. Brother John, great word today. The restorative will of God. We'll get this up quickly. Um, I thank you, brother, for coming on tonight. We love you. And uh, looking forward to seeing you again next week. God bless you. Love you. Thank you, sir.